Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. Now, it was a freezing cold Monday night when a crowd gathered to cheer themselves up at an exclusive live recording of the Women's Podcast in-house on Leeson Street. They gathered to eat chocolate, drink cocktails and enjoy the company of Marion Keys. I just realised I wasn't invited. All thanks to our sponsor, Green and Blacks. Marion is a great friend of this show and she hardly needs an introduction, but let me just remind you. She has sold over 35 million books, including Watermelon, Rachel's Holiday and The Break. She talked to Roisin Ingle about her new book, Grown Ups, about another book she's just started writing. Yes, Marianne Keyes fans, you're about to get an exclusive bit of news on that front. And about her thoughts, good and bad, on the Ireland of 2019. We know you're going to enjoy this. Here she is, the fantastic author and national treasure, Marianne Keyes. I mean, really, could there be a better Monday? We're talking chocolate, we're talking cocktails, we're vibing canapes that are really like your dinner. So I'm really happy for all of you who didn't have dinner and we're like, yes, I scored dinner. We're very excited to be here in-house on Leeson Street for a very special women's podcast with one of my favourite people, and I know your favourite people in the whole world, Miss Marion Keys. <laughs> Hello, it's lovely to be here and thank you for coming out on this miserable owl night. I mean, I say it's miserable, but this is my favourite time of the year. I love November because nothing happens in November except the dark and the cold. I've barely opened the curtains in the morning before it's time to close them again. You know, and none of the Christmas nonsense has started, you know. It's just a grim owl month, you know, and it's telly and it's, it's carbs and it's staying warm and... And, and I love it. Like, I, I really, really do. Yeah. November. Yes, November. Yeah, yes, but yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks, Marion. You can have that for your next book. Thank you. <laughs> so we are going to talk about lots of things. Um, I've already been having requests. And that's the kind of evening this is, everyone, okay? If you've got a request, if you've something that I haven't said that needs to be said, shout it up. Do. We'll sort it out. Yeah. Someone Nothing already said to me at the bar when I was getting my... Uh, this is a bit. Has anyone had one of these? Ooh. And Marion is having her own bespoke Marion mocktail. Just if anyone wants to try it. Oh God, it's fabulous. There's loads of coffee in it. Yeah. Mm. Keep you awake there. Mm. Um, and so do shout up. Tell us what you want to talk yeah. about. But also, someone just said to me at the bar, you have to ask her about her painting. I would love to so, talk about so my painting. So she can probably just... You want to talk yeah. about painting? Yeah, right. I couldn't draw at school um, for toffee and like my picture of the dog would be shown to the class as you know an example of what not to draw and um, but I grew up going to like the Tate Modern and I'd stand in front of you know the likes of Mark Rothko like these enormous canvases like very very moving and I'd stand in front of them and I think 
any old Egypt could do that. So I tried to get lessons and I wanted to do the oil paints and I wanted to do huge yokes, you know, and they won't let you. They want you to start like tiny little like namby pamby watercolours and like they wouldn't teach me. So I had a gap between books and I decided, feck it, I'm going to do it. So I ordered enormous canvases that were like five foot by six foot. And I went down to the paint shop at the art and hobby shop in Dunleary. And I bought like, like I could, you know, I nearly dislocated my shoulder carrying the paints home. I had so many of them. And then because I can't do anything by halves, I went back down and I got more paint. And then I was ashamed of having gone to that shop so often that I went to Nimble Fingers and Stilorgan instead. And then I went over Marian, to the... it's like when someone has a problem with pres- prescription with, drugs and they no, keep going I'll, to different doctors. No, yeah, it reminded me of when I used to drink heavily and I used to have to rotate my off licences so nobody would know how bad it was. Like, genuinely, I was mortified coming back to them. Anyway, I had acres of paints and I had these enormous... I even bought an easel, you know, because I knew I was going to be feckin' fabulous. And so I started... And you know what? I was... You know, and nobody had believed me all those years because they remembered the picture of the dog and they said, no, you'll be woges. And um, and then I decided that um, I could make a career of it. But that lasted about 10 minutes. So I've stopped now. So it's a hobby again. But um, God, it was fab. Oh, yeah. And Mammy Keys has asked for uh, a, fo- a painting of the Cliffs of Moher. And uh, I'm worried about that because I'm not so good on kind of things. I'm very good on abstracts, you know, just like flinging loads of colour. Moving from painting straight that's on, okay. no, no messing, that's, straight into Strictly. That's absolutely <laughs> grand. Okay, I would never be a contestant on Strictly. I have been asked many times and I will tell you why. I mean, I have, I mean, A, I am Irish. Now, I love being Irish, but, you know, in fairness, our sense of rhythm is not, it's not what we're most known for. Um, and I mean, having been brought up doing Irish dancing, where like you got it, you got the rap of the ruler if you shifted your spine. Like basically, you needed an epidural at the base of your spine if you ever wanted to win a medal. You know, the legs had to go, but the top had to stay rigid. Um, and I personally, I am, I'm, I, I'm so clumsy, I can't even walk a straight line. And and I'm, what's the other word? Really inhibited. You know, like, and I'm, I am old. I am not a young woman. Like I'm 56. And, like, you need to be... Who said that? Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Katie. See you later. Sort you out. Um, Yeah, so between the jigs and the reels, I would be the worst person. And I would be the the Mike, whatever his name is for a while. I would be the joke. I'd be the joke person. I would. You know, I'd be coming down, you know, fireman's hoses and, 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 and shooting out of cannons and the whole thing. And, and, and Craig would say... It's a dance disaster, darling. And, and because I love the show more than life itself, you know, it, I live for it. Like, you know, the other nine months of the year are just, just a, a, you know, a time to kill. You know, I just want, you know, just get through this bloody summer business and, and soon enough it'll be time for, like, strict timber. And, um, and if they were mean to me, and of course they would be mean to me because they'd have no option, I, see, I'm very easy to shame. You see, and they'd say something shamey, and I would go, "Oh, hello, shamed," and then I would never be able to watch it again because I'd be reliving the disaster, darling, disaster, disaster, disaster. 
so no. And then people used to say, what if Pasha was my partner? Which that would be the worst fucking thing ever. You know, because Pasha is so beautiful. You know, like I wouldn't be able. And he'd be so nice trying to make a, you know, silk purse out of the sow's ear. And no, just no. Thank you, but no. No. I, I think I am, that's a no. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to sit at the sidelines and, 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 and talk about how bad everyone else is. You know, like, what do they call it? Hurling from the ditch. Yeah, no, it's mostly I talk about how good everyone else is. But thank you. God, that was a great owl answer. Thank you very much. That was a lovely thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so no, but, you know, in a parallel universe, maybe, but just not no, in, in the never. real world. Okay. No, not even in a parallel one. Well, because Marion Keyes writes amazing books and we want her to keep doing that. She's also amazing on Twitter as well, for all of you. We all follow her, right? Thank you. I'm also and on, on the Instagram. Gram, she I'm on Instagram too. <laughs> yeah. She's on the gram. Yeah, I am. Um, but she has That's written... That's a bit lick though, isn't it? Like it is. Yeah, I'm not into the gram myself yeah, that much. You can't interact in the same way as you can on Twitter. Yeah. You can't have a conversation in, like... You know, people complain about Twitter, but it, if you find the right people... Yeah, and you have fantastic. the chats. fantastic. So, Marion writes amazing books, as you know, and she's sold millions and millions of books all around the world. She is one of our most successful authors. Um, it's actually incredible what you've done. She's Thanks. written another one. And I have. I am very lucky because I know Marion and I get sent these things <laughs> and I, I've nearly finished it. Oh, and it's absolutely flipping brilliant. And it's called Grown Ups. And it, well, the one I got came with little stickers yes. of grown up yeah. things that you could say. But Marion, tell us about this book. Okay. It's huge, by the way, because Marion writes huge books. Which yeah. Is and I wish I could write smaller ones, but, you know, I can't. You why use one word when 4,000 will do? Um, right, it's about, it's set in Ireland, it's set in Dublin, and it's a family of brothers, three brothers, and they're all sort of, you know, good-looking and glamorous in their various ways. And it's about them and their various wives or ex-wives, um, adult stepchildren, and they all spend a lot of time together. You know, like they have weekends away and they have, like, first communions and anniversary parties and... You know, and they all get on very, 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 very well on the surface. Underneath the surface, though, things are more complicated, as things always are. And some of them don't get on at all, and some others get on far, far too well. And, and so, you know, it's business as usual, everything is fine, everything is lovely, until they're all together at a birthday party uh, for one of the men's, and one of the women there, she's, I mean, she's absolutely lovely and she doesn't want to cause trouble, but she got a whack on the head earlier in the day and she has concussion. And I don't, one of the, the aspects of concussion is that you have no ability to, to filter your thoughts, you know. So she starts saying things that she shouldn't say. And that kind of kickstarts this whole domino effect. And this happens at the start of the book, and you, the reader, don't know what the secrets that are being told are. You just know that shocking things are unfolding. And then the start of the book is six months earlier. And it's how, it's, you know, it's month by month by month how they got to this showdown um, at the birthday party where all the stuff comes out. Um, so, I mean, the original name for it was um, All Their Secrets, which I loved because I think it's all kind of, you know, it's a bit sort of, um, you know, those shows that they have in the USA on the telly in the daytime. You know, those like days of our days lives. Of our lives. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a bit sort of down market and kind of, oh, my God, I want to know what happened. Um, but my editor said, no, 
No, she said, we're trying to, for the love of God, we're trying to send, make you more upmarkety. We just stop it with the, the trashy titles, no. So, so she said grown-ups. And grown-ups is grand because it's none of them are, you know, and it's kind of a little joke. And that's the point, because yeah. none of us are, really. Here yeah. we are on a Monday yeah. night pretending yeah. that this is totally normal. Yes. Eating chocolate eating and... Eating chocolate uh, for our dinner. You know, well, exactly. I am. <laughs> yeah. So would you read a little bit of it? Will I read the beginning-y bit when all the shit goes down? Okay, it's told from the point of view of Johnny Casey, who is, I think he's a lovely man. Um, his life is very hard. Everybody asks things of him. Okay, and it's his birthday. Johnny Casey launched into a fit of energetic coughing, a bit of bread down the wrong way. But the chat around the long dinner table carried on. Lovely. He could die here, literally die on his 49th birthday. And would his brothers, their spouses, his own wife, Jessie, or any of the children even notice? Jessie was his best hope, but she was off in the kitchen, readying the next elaborate course. He could only hope he survived to eat it. A sip of water didn't help. Tears were streaming down his face, and finally, Ed, his younger brother, asked, You okay there? Manfully, Johnny waved away his concern. Bread, down the wrong way. Thought for a minute there you were choking, Ferdia said. Well, why didn't you say something, you useless tool? Twenty-two years of age and more concerned with Syrian refugees than your stepfather expiring. That'd be a shame, Johnny croaked, to die on my birthday. Ah, you wouldn't have died, Ferdia said. One of us would have tried the Heimlich manoeuvre. Someone would have needed to notice I was dying first. You know what happened recently, Ed asked. Mr Heimlich, the man who invented the Heimlich manoeuvre. Finally, at the age of 87, he got to do it on someone for real. And it worked, it saved the person. This was from Liam, the youngest of the Casey brothers, right down at the end of the table. Be a bit mortifying if he did it, then the person snuffed it. Liam tended to bring the snark to any situation, Johnny reflected. Look at him there, lounging back in his seat with a careless grace that made Johnny's teeth itch. At 41 years of age, Liam was still propelling himself through life, using only good looks and swagger. The cut of him, with his surfy hair, half the buttons open on his crumpled shirt. Like Mr. Segway, Ferdia said, invented the Segway, said they were totally safe, then died on one. And fairness, Ed said, his only claim was that you'd never fall over on one. So what happened? Johnny, despite his resentment at the lot of them, was interested. He accidentally drove one off a cliff. Oh God, Nell, Liam's wife, dissolved into giggles, started believing his own publicity. You know, they were a bit safe, so he got fooled into thinking they were bulletproof. Yeah, got high in his own supply, Ferdia said. Oh, you'd know all about that. Liam threw his nephew a dark look. Ferdia glared back in return. So the feud between those two was on again. What was it about this time? He'd ask Jessie. She kept tabs on the various Casey alliances and grudges. It gave her life. Where was she anyway? All right, here she came, carrying a trayful of, by the looks of things, sorbets. Palate cleansers, she declared. Lemon and vodka. What about us? Bridie piped up. She was 12 years of age and operated like a union rep for the five youngest cousins. She policed their rights with vigilance. We can't possibly have vodka. We're far too young. On it, Jessie said. Of course she was, Johnny thought. Fair play to her. Never drop the ball. Just lemon for you guys. Sometimes Johnny didn't know how Jessie did it. Even though Bridie was his firstborn, there were times when he found her insufferable. Bridie issued stern instructions to the younger kids that if their sorbets tasted in any way funny, they must desist from eating them with immediate effect. She actually said those words, desist, 
and with immediate effect. It was times such as these that Johnny Casey wondered at the wisdom of sending children to expensive schools. They created monsters. Jessie resumed her spot at the head of the table. Everyone okay? she asked. Cheerful noises of assent rose because that was how things rolled in Jessie's world. But when the hubbub quietened down, Ed's wife, Cara, said, I have to say it, I'm bored out of my skull. Good-humoured chortles followed and someone murmured, You're gas. No, I'm not joking. Several heads jerked up from their sorbets. All conversation ceased. I mean, sorbets, Cara asked. How many more courses do we have to sit through? Couldn't we just have had a pizza? Okay. Cara had one or two issues, to put it mildly. But she was a sweetheart, one of the nicest people he'd ever met. Johnny's gaze went to Ed. It was his job to keep his wife under control, if that wasn't a very sexist thought, and yes, he admitted it was. But Ed looked stupefied with confusion. What the hell? he asked. Jessie, I'm sorry. Trying to pull things back to normal, Johnny adopted a light-hearted tone. Ha, come on now, Cara. After all the work Jessie's done. But she did nothing. The caterers did it. What caterers? Several voices asked. She always has these things catered. Jessie would never use caterers. Cooking was her thing. Up and down the table, the mood was of scandalised commotion. How much have you had to drink? Ed asked Cara. Nothing, she said. Because I had that bang. Oh, on the head, Ed finished her sentence and his relief was audible. She got a bang on the head earlier. A sign fell off a shop and hit her. That's not what happened. We thought she was okay. You wanted me to be okay, Cara said. I knew I wasn't. You should go to A&E. Jessie was struggling to recalibrate to her default personality of nurturing and bossy. You're obviously concussed. Go this very moment. Why are you even here? Because Ed needs Johnny to loan him the money, Cara said. Right on cue, Jessie said. What money? From the other bank account, Cara said. Then, oh God, I wasn't meant to say that. What bank account? Jessie asked. What loan? Cara, the hospital, right now. Ed stood up. Johnny? Jessie locked eyes with him. He knew the drill. She'd say no more here, but there would be hell to pay later. However, he still had something in his arsenal. Jessie, what caterers? Unexpectedly, Ferdia glared at Johnny. Angrily, he said, You're really doing this to her? I'm entitled to know. Ferdia paused. His tone towards his stepfather had many layers. You? You're entitled to nothing. In Johnny's stomach, dread slithered like eels. Everyone else was still watching Jessie. Did Superwoman really use caterers? We shouldn't be exposed to this, Bridie said in an undertone. We're children. It's inappropriate. <laughs> Pinned by the collective gaze, Jessie's eyes flicked back and forth. She looked panicked. Yes, okay, yes. She sounded exasperated. Sometimes, so what? And that was the day my childhood ended, Bridie murmured. <laughs> How did you know? Liam asked Cara. I used to do Jessie's accounts, Cara said. A hefty payment to the cookbook cafe popped up each time we had another of these endless dinners. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. Look, I have five children between seven and 22, Jessie cried. I run a business. There are only so many hours in the day. And Johnny, you're never here. And Cara stood up. I'd better go to the hospital, she said, before I fall out with every one of you. Come on, Ed. Hey, Cara, do you really like my new hair? 18-year-old Searsha interrupted. Oh, sweetie, don't, Cara said. You know I love you. That means it's bad. That fringe makes your face look like the moon. It did make her face look like the moon. Cara was spot on. All the same, you can't say that to a teenage girl. At Saoirse's devastated expression, Cara looked sick with remorse. I'm so sorry, Saoirse, but it'll grow back. Come on, Ed. Before you go, Liam's eyes were narrowed. 
did you really think that massage I gave you was, what was the word you used? Dreamy. No, I hated it. Forget being a masseur. You are terrible. Hey, Nell jumped up in to defend her husband. He's doing his best. Why are you picking him up? Kara asked. Suddenly Liam was energised. He smelled blood. Why wouldn't she back me up? Come on, Kara. Come on, tell us. No, Kara. Nell's voice was sharp. Tell me, Liam ordered. Don't, Nell said. Kara, it'll come back on you too. Tell me. Liam's tone was urgent. Then, because Kara was concussed, confused and long past caring, she told them everything. And then, six months earlier. Thank you. Thanks a million. Thank you. And it just gets messier and messier and messier. And brillianter and brillianter Thank you. and brillianter. Thanks, is brillianter thanks. a word, Mary? Tis You're the now. Word, yes, yes. Language is a fluid, dynamic thing, that, <laughs> an organic thing that is constantly growing. Did you enjoy this book? Did you enjoy writing it? I did, it? I did, I did. Um, I have to tell you that, that the idea came to me um, because I had gone away with somebody's family, not my own, but a family close to mine. And I dread going away with this particular family because there's one person who is... It just causes trouble, just has that unerring ability. Anyway, she didn't come on this particular week, weekend, and we had a beautiful time. Like we really had a lovely, lovely time. And the next time I met her, she said, how was, how was the last time? And it was just, I had this awful, awful idea of, oh my God, I want to say to her, we had the most lovely time because you weren't there. And I didn't say it, obviously, because I'm not mean. And, but it don't on me that if somebody started speaking the truth, just you know, because we, we skate over the surface so much of the time, because we have to because we don't want to upset people or, or there is no point opening up uh, you know, a, a box of um, a can of worms, you know so I did, and like there are seven main characters, and actually four of them are men, and it was really nice to write about how hard it is to be a man in you know, late-stage capitalism. Like, it is really shitty. Um, and I suppose it's very plot-driven. Like, a lot happens. It's pacey, and it's, and it's fun, and it's tender. Like, I really cared about them all. Like, I know they seem sort of horrible in the prologue, but they're not. No. They're just like all of us. They're just... Our lives are messy. And, uh, yeah, I did. It was lots of fun. And... Um, you know, you're so good on families because, I mean, whether it's on Twitter, we kind of feel like we, everyone knows all the characters, the Redsers, everybody. Yeah. And that's really your place, isn't it? it like is. You just love yeah. the dynamics and the love within yeah. it and the hate. and the Yeah, yeah. And the way like that everybody has their assigned role. And, you know, out in the real world, we are adults and we're doing our thing and we're yeah. being impressive. And we, you know, people know us as us. But when we go back to our family, we have to slot into the role that was created for us like 8,000 years ago. And we will never escape that. Like, it doesn't matter how much we achieve or how much we've changed. We will always be that person. And, uh, yeah, I do. See, I'm very close to my family. Like, I really... Uh, they're my favourite people. Um, and it's messy because families are, but I just really like them and I love the whole... You know, for so many people, you cannot escape those bonds. Um, and, I, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's my comfortable place. I'm thinking of the Walshes because we all love them, don't we? And do you, I mean, they're so real to us as readers. And I'm just wondering when you're going back to them or do you have... Okay. A, some, I think we're going to have some exclusive gossip yeah, here. Yeah, you are, actually. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, draw in. Okay. I am 8,000 words into a book called Again, comma, Rachel. <laughs> oh, to the M to the G. Are you talking about a sequel to Rachel's Holiday? I am. I am, but they're all in it. Put they're that all in your in Instagrams it. and your Twitters and all that. Yeah. Um, now, I have to say, I actually tried to write a Walsh book about when I was writing my last book, The Break. Um, it was Claire and Adam who were meant to have The Break. And I just couldn't. I just couldn't go in there and, and, and mess it all up on them. But this is different. This is a different kind of thing. And I am... Um, you know, do you ever get those things when you're just like... You feel like you're going to puke with the excitement? <laughs> like, and that's kind of how I feel. I'm and so I'm happy. so... I, there's so much kind of going on at the moment and I can't get to the to the writing bit and I, I really want to, which is rare, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> like normally great. I'm terrified. So anyway, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. So what else is going on with you, Marion? What's floating your boat at the moment uh, what are you right? I mean you do have obsessions you have things that yeah. you get into you had the banjoing the furniture we all remember yeah, that yeah yeah no it's the it's the it's my fabulous paintings at the minute <laughs> well I'm interviewing Nigel Slater on the stage like a thing like this on Wednesday night and I love him but I, I don't really I'm not a, an interviewer so I have been completely immersed in Nigel Slateriness for about the past three weeks and I am um, my house is completely bare now and I only my only dinners are like made from a bowl of leftover mashed potato in the fridge and everything is reduced to its <laughs> basics and <laughs> no I think he's lovely he's lovely but I'm quite daunted about it um, but he loves you um, Marion apparently but do you know that awful thing you know when somebody says that they love you and they've never met you you feel like I can only disappoint them. And, I, you know, and I'm sort of dreading it because of the light going out of his eyes and, and breaking Nigel Slater's heart. Oh, like. that would be terrible. Yeah. Then on Friday, I'm, I'm the alone Christmas ambassador. So that's, you know, it's about making sure that we stay in touch with our, you know, our elderly neighbours and our, you know, the, the, the people who are living on their own. Mm. Um... You know, especially coming up to Christmas, like it is. I mean, it's funny. I got a taxi in, with, and the taxi driver. And we we're talking about like, in so many ways, Christmas is a very lonely time, and um, I mean, particularly if you're living on your own. Um, so yeah, so that's that's happening on Friday. Because I know you don't like Christmas, so this is interesting that you yeah. found a way into a Christmassy thing yeah. that actually is more on your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hate Christmas. Yeah, I think we have to hear about why Marion hates Christmas. I absolutely cannot I love abide Christmas. It. I just have to do Hands yeah. up. Do we love Christmas? Yeah. Somebody's not everyone. Anyone right. hate Christmas like Marion? Yes, we have some fellow Great. travelers. My, my tribe. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think, I think Christmas is a feminist issue. Like the amount of work that has to be done and it's all my done by women. There. You know, feckin' you know, peeling parsnips and changing sheets and wrapping things, writing cards. Like, it's women who do it. And I also, I mean, I hate the... I hate thinking of people who don't have the money to buy their ch uh, children presents. I cannot bear the kind of... the standard that we're all supposed to, um, to aspire to for Christmas. And I think 
it's a very shaming time for an awful lot of people and a heartbreaking time. And then the rows. I mean, mother of Jesus. Like, the rows. I was talking... I gave my taxi driver my, my Christmas rant, and he goes, Jesus, I thought it was just my family that did that. And I was like, no, every family does it, but everybody is ashamed to talk about it because we all think it's, a, you know, it's something unique to our defective shower, you know? But it's not. It's like that thing that I said, you know? Like, put a grown woman back in her parents' house. I mean, I speak for myself, and I revert to a 14-year-old. And, you know, I'm bitchy, I'm difficult, I'm easily angered, I am liable to shout, I never asked to be born, you know, <laughs> like, and it's, it's just, it's awful, I hate it. Like, Is there I, any way out of it, Marion? Like, you kind of have, have detached yourself a bit from I Christmas, have, haven't I you? Have, Which I, is, I presume, controversial somewhat in your family. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, for about, I don't know, 12 years, I wouldn't show up for the turkey. I mean, Jesus, that's another thing. I hate turkey. Turkey's awful. Brussels sprouts are awful. The food is awful. Sorry, I won't have a yeah. bad word said against Brussels, Brussels sprouts. sprouts. I fucking love Yes, Brussels I know. Sprouts. It divides people. It really does. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, I used to go for a walk with, with himself and Posh Kate and Posh Malcolm. And, like, you know, my, every year my mother would say, what are we doing for Christmas this year? And I'd say... I don't know, do what you like, I'm going for a walk. And she, like, and she would pretend that it had never happened before. Um, so it's really hard. You know, I think you just have to be brave and just say, not going, not doing it. The world won't end. See, if I had nippers, I'd have no choice. I, I accept that. How's your mocktail? It's absolutely lovely, but there's coffee in it. And I'm afraid... Because if I have more than two sips of coffee a day, then I'm awake for 48 hours howling at the moon. You know, I'm very sensitive to stuff. Marion, what do you think of this country of ours at the moment? How are you feeling about it? I don't mean to bring down the... Okay. All right. Okay. I feel very sad about it. Um, I, there are, you know, over 10,000 homeless people in this country. You know, 4,000 of them are children. You know... So many women every morning have to get up in some hotel, dress their kids, get them to school, and not know where they're going to sleep that night. I mean, that is their reality. And I think it is absolutely naive to expect that um, Fina Gale will address that because I think anyone who hasn't realised that it is, you know, central, the core part of their economic ideology, um, has closed their eyes. Um, they are... Like, Leo is a self-avowed Thatcherite. You know, he wants to reduce taxation and reduce spending of the state. Um, and it really breaks my heart that, that people will vote for them because they're voting against themselves. You know, they're voting against education. They're voting against, you know, a proper health system. Um, you know, the, and I mean, the entire world has swung to the right both you know, economically and ideologically. Um, but I really feel we don't have to do it. We do not have to do it. Um, it also breaks my heart that there is no proper, decent-sized um, left-wing party here. You know, like, Labour, you know, destroyed themselves in coalition. And, I mean, I think people before profit and the Social Democrats have... I really support their economic ideology, but they're just not big enough. So, yeah, it kills me. Also, you know, the 
the way that we have treated um, refugees and asylum seekers. Um, first of all, I abhor direct provision. And I think the time will come when, as a nation, we will be deeply, deeply ashamed that we have let this system continue for 20 years where people are as good as prisoners and where they have been, you know, they have been deprived of the right to work, which gives a person, can give a person so much pride mm. when they're living on a pittance, when they might as well be dead. Um, that kills me. And again, there are groups of far-right people stirring up racism. And, um, and I wish that that could be stopped because I think essentially Irish people are incredibly decent. I think we're very welcoming and warm. Um, I think, but when people are scared, when they think, oh my God, we're going to have all these, these men, these foreign men in our town, you know, it's, it's easy to get under people, you know, to kind of trigger old fears. And I, I just wish that there were ways to counter mm. that influence because it's malign. And it's it not who we should be because we have, we are a country of emigrants. You know, we have been taken in by so many other countries. These days to say those things, I can almost hear certain people like, oh, the bleeding heart liberals yeah. and they're just, you know, it's almost like those very basic decent thoughts that yeah, you were saying yeah. are somehow uh, derided. Yeah, taboo, yeah, yeah. derided, yes, absolutely, yeah. But like it is in people's interests as well to deride people who are, I mean, I am, a, I, I am happy to be a bleeding heart liberal, like I am, I always was. Um, but they are values that I think are like fundamental to any kind of decent society. Um, you know, I am really happy to pay much more tax, you know, if I knew that like it was going to getting people off waiting lists, mm. you know, or to, to, to building social housing, like, and I think the young people of this country have been stiffed the most, you know, like I think it's appalling the way um, it's impossible to find somewhere to rent, never mind buy. And I think it's appalling that we haven't had an underground built in this traffic-choked city. Like, there's plenty of money. They actually have the money to do it. They could even put it to their beloved private sector, you know. And, like, they say something like that. If you never offend anyone, it means that you stand for nothing. You know, and I want to stand for something. You know, and I want to be on the side of right. And I do have a public platform, and I would like to use it in a tentative way for good. You know, like, I'm never going to be a politician or anything like that. But I'd vote for you. Marry the <laughs> <laughs> Imagine marrying in the Oris. Stop it. Jesus. Excellent. No, I'd hate it. No, <laughs> listen, I'm an acute introvert. Like, I can only take about an hour and a half of other people. And then I have to go home and lie in a darkened room. Like, I do. <laughs> I like, I mean, I am not a people person. I am really not. And, like, imagine being there and having to have garden parties and shaking hands with billions Remember of people. Marion and I yeah. went to a garden party in the hours. It was a very hot day. It was, Jesus, it's it was roasting. too hot. Yeah. We had a great time, didn't we? We had a fantastic time. Yeah, it was really, really lovely. I complimented him on his hat. Mickey D, that is. I think he was a bit startled. Like, I think he wasn't used to it. Maybe I was being a bit, <laughs> yeah, no, too we were familiar. The two of us were, yeah. We were yeah. on him. Yeah, like. we were like, go on, take it off there. Come on, we'll play frisbee with it. Go on, Mickey D, go on. <laughs> um, but what about the stuff that you love about Ireland? Because oh, what's great about Ireland. you and your books is, and they go all over the world, and you have spread the joy of Irishness 
to so many people yeah. who don't have a clue that humor and the fun and the colloquialisms and yeah. all that and they all get it it's amazing i know no i love ireland and i just love how we talk to each other um i think irish people are incredibly kind of we're curious and we're warm and i can feel it the second i come back from say london because i'm there a lot for work and i you know i I feckin' hate these automatic passport yoke things now because I want the man to say, welcome home, Marion, you know? And, and they so often do, and they say things like, I've been thinking about writing a book myself. Like, I've always thought I could write a book, you know? And it's like, that's what I want. You know, I think Irish people are the most entertaining on the planet. Um, I think we have such a gift for spinning out stories, like for making a real song and dance of them. Um, tearing I, the arse out of it. Tearing the yeah. arse, yeah, yeah, and you see, and have fabulous sayings <laughs> like that. Like, um, I just, yeah, I think peop Irish people are, are just so entertained and... I do, you see, I think we're fundamentally incredibly kind and warm, which is why it breaks my heart that these other viewpoints are getting an airing. Um, I love the weather. Go on, shoot me. Like, I don't care. I love rain. I love the excitement when we get a warm day and the whole country, like, downs tools. And we're there like it's 21 degrees and we're saying, Jesus, we're not built for this. Oh, God almighty, no. Oh, she's right not able for this at all. Um, like, but it's true. I think the scenery is beautiful. I think the Atlantic is the best sea in the world. I think Lahinch is the most beautiful town in the world. I think County Clare is the most beautiful county in the world. Um, like, I love it. And I, oh, the thing I love the most is, like, you can do fuck all in Ireland without getting caught. Like, you absolutely can't, you know? Like, you know, no matter where you go. Like, um, yeah, I met a man in Limerick um, recently, and he said he got off some, play, some train in Patagonia, and he met somebody from, like, the same street. The person goes, Jesus, that's own devil. And, uh, you know, you can, like, you know, you're always going to know somebody. And that just makes me feel very warm you know i love we're just we're a, just one community well speaking of things you love we have to mention the barack obama plaza oh my god how many god. of you have been to the barack obama plaza yeah how many of you have taken a little picture beside barack obama yeah exactly yeah i mean i had samantha power on the podcast yesterday and i had to be telling like i was Hanging yes. on her everywhere. She's mates with Barack. I know like, she is. I yeah. mean, I'm so close yeah. to Barack now. I haven't yeah. met her. Yeah, yeah. I know. But tell us about the Barack Obama. You got me on into the Barack Obama Plaza. Well, I mean, like fair play to the man, whoever he is. I mean, it's just a place where, like, you, you stop on the way to Clare. And, you know, it's where you go in, like, to, you know, have your cup of coffee and, and avail of the facilities. And, um, and like, my mother... Uh, who had re has recently started going on road trips again. We took her in last year, and it was her first time there. And she was like, she was like, you know the bit in Mary Tyler Moore when she twirls around and throws her hat up in the air? She was like that. She goes, oh, my God, she said, it's like New York. She was like, oh, she goes, and there's so much choice, you know. And, and everything about it, like, you're driving in, right? And you can hear the country and Western being paid outside over the pumps, you know? Like, I mean, it's like North Korea meets, you know, Declan Nerny. And, like, and you go in, and it's like Supermax. And, like, my Reds are nephews who, like, um, are very, very dull 
Dublin, you know, um, they had never had a supermax before because, uh, correct me, it's mostly a culture thing, isn't it? Is it? A it's yeah, a Galway culture. Yeah, thing, I had my it? first one in Ballina Slow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the kind of the, the, the thrill of the exoticness of supermax, you know? And um, it's, for me, it's the donuts. It's the Boston donuts. And there's one that looks like um, your man out of Sesame Street, the blue lad, oh, the, the cranky fella. The grouch. grouch, yeah. Yeah. And um, they have like every flavour of fulfill bar ever, ever invented. And that is a good, I just like the size of Croke Park, you know, like to fill all the different fulfill bar flavours, you know. I get so excited when I there's a few. I can't wait till Marion is like the ambassador for the Barack Obama. I, yes. I met the guy, Henry, the eighth guy. I met him recently and we talked about you all the time. I met him all about the Barack Obama. Plaza. The guy Henry, who's cousin of Barack. Oh, Eighth yes. cousin. Go on. Yeah, he wants yeah. you down there. He wants you to do an event. He wants the whole thing. Jesus, I'd be thrilled. I, I said that yeah. to him. I was yeah. like, I will get her yeah. there. She'd love oh my that. God, yeah. Imagine if they had house, like a little bed place, <laughs> you know, and you could stay the night. And look, and you could have all your meals. You could have different things for every meal. I just, yeah, I'd love Barack to go there. Oh, that but he was be, there. Well, in the, was the plaza there? He could have a photograph said, taken with himself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we're going to open it up because I don't think we've that much longer, but has anyone... Oh, my mother... Do you do much cooking yourself? No, I don't. I yes, don't. Yes, I'm worried no. about how... Uh, that's, you don't yeah. talk with Nigel, you know? Well, yeah. It's going to be tricky, all right. I can... Co- yeah, I can f- cook four dinners and we just have them on rotation. Um, that's... But, like, that's kind of most people, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, I found a recipe in his new book, something to do with aubergines. So I was hoping, actually, that I might get that made before Wednesday night. It's looking increasingly unlikely. Um, <laughs> but I have a really long list of questions. I'm going to ask him, like, what his death row meal would yes, be. And, good idea. and another thing I discovered, he absolutely can't stand boi- uh, fried eggs. So uh, neither can I. Ooh, so, like, we have what? so much... I know. Jesus, Marion. I tell you, listen, this is going to shock you now. I listen, like fried yeah. eggs. I don't like boiled eggs or fried eggs. Or I, boiled eggs. I have literally never had... A boiled egg in my life <laughs> scrambled I can just about stomach but um no I'm sorry Jesus, I know I'm no I'm sorry yeah so like um and there was some oh yeah and he's an acute introvert as well yeah like that's yeah. gonna be a great interview oh yeah <laughs> but the thing is no but people don't understand you see I'm not shy no as you can probably see but like in about 20 You'll minutes I'm gonna You'll hit a wall yeah. and then I won't be able to talk and then I'll have to be put in an ambulance to take me home <laughs> catatonic yeah catatonic yeah, yeah. So we'd be grand. Yeah, for a little bit more. There was talk that we'd have lunch earlier in the day, and I said, no, No. two acute introverts. We'd all be used up by the time we got to the stage. Um, So, no, I'm not very good in the kitchen, but I still love his books. Yeah. But you did tweet something where you were pretending you'd got tarragon from the garden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, We made a dinner last night that was really leftovers, sort of really kind of maybe sort of leftovers. And then himself had bought tarragon in Marks and Spencer's early in the day, but I tweeted that we'd picked it fresh from the garden. But then I did say it was a lie, you know, because, you know, full I disclosure. Know, full disclosure. Yeah. Anyone else? We have a microphone. Oh, there's a gentleman in the front here. Um, I saw you on the podcast of uh, In the Bathroom. Oh, with Sally Hughes? Yes. Yes. I thought you were brilliant. Oh, thank I, you. Um, I w- and I think your bathroom's brilliant and you, you, you seem to love your cosmetics and everything. I do. But I do wonder... Uh, at what, where do you draw the line on cosmetic beauty stuff? I don't draw the line. No. Do you not know this person? No. 
I draw no line. Uh, no, no, line will be drawn. no, no, no. Are, are you asking me discreetly if I've had injections? <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm not asking you if you had. I just wonder what, what I'm sure you have a lot to say or think a lot about. You, yeah. You, you seem to love I cosmetics, do love but it. I do wonder yeah. if there is a line between me putting something on your face or putting something in your face yeah. or, or okay. anywhere. Right, I'll tell you how it is. Um, I think for all women, and increasingly for men, um, especially in the public eye, you know, you're damned if you appear on telly and you've got old. You know, she's got very old looking, you know. But then you're also damned if you come along and you're a bit shiny forehead and a bit, you know, a bit frozen. And um, so, I mean, I've said it before. I've had fillers for like the gougy lines. And I used to have two kind of furrows between my forehead that you could plant potatoes in. Actually, Nigel might be interested in that. <laughs> and, uh, and I had Botox to take them away. Um, so I have had some. Um, and, and I'm delighted. Do you know? I mean, like, it's awful. And I wish that I hadn't internalised that message so much um, that it's bad to look old. But I have. I mean, I'm very much a product of this society of my upbringing and uh, but at the same time you know I still love the stuff you know the cream and the and the foundations and you know it's a hobby and I always say you know like at least I'm not taking cocaine so like <laughs> as 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 hobbies go like I could be doing a lot worse but no I mean okay the idea of actually having uh what's that thing you know a knife in my face. No, that really, really doesn't She draws me. the line there. I, I do draw the line there. I do. But, okay, I say that now. But, like, you know, if we're all going to live till we're 150, you know, God only knows. I could be 135 and think, of, Jesus Christ, I don't know. All right, the knife, bring it. So we'll see. Time will tell. But I don't think anyone can ever say, I would never do that until you're at the stage where you might think you want to do it. Um, and I, I would really like if we would all be a, let, a lot less judgy about whether you do or whether you don't. It's like I didn't know that I was going to get my hair dyed a bit purple oh, when I went beautiful. to Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I just went, oh, I'll have a bit of purple in my hair. I yeah. don't know what came over me. Midlife, it's, hashtag midlife crisis. No, no, no. Hair is there to be changed. And let's speak in a hair. Yes. Extensions. Mine yes. Is hair. Look how long it is. Oh, it's hang on, hang on. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Do, 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 yeah, woke up on uh, my 55th birthday and thought, feck it, I'm getting extensions. Um, because, um, yeah, my husband's dad had died and he was getting me by the shoulders and he was going, you have to live every second. You have to decide what you want to do with your life. Time is precious. You know, the time is now. So one more question for Marion and then she has to tootle off and lie down in a darkened room because it's been until all... Until Wednesday. <laughs> until Wednesday. One more question, anybody? Okay, here we go. So I am 37 and I've got a one-year-old daughter. You look amazing. Thank you. Like, you know, you do. <laughs> and that's my mum, actually. Oh, my and God. Just the glam Jesus. granny. The mommy is here. We're out. That's we're some here. set of jeans On you have. day, eating chocolate. <laughs> They're strong, Marion. They're strong, yeah. But um, so I, I hear you talk about, you know, you draw the line and it's all about self-preservation and, um, you know, enhancements and tweakments and all that. But what yeah. about the young girls? And I dread my daughter... Yeah you know, this homogenization of the yeah. Kim Kardashian face. And when they put on a pair of sunglasses and they have the big lips, they all look the same, you know? And, and, and 
that's fine. But like, I think at a young age, there's no sort of, you're not trying to help your self, you know, look better. Like they, they're all beautiful. They don't realize behind all the, the foundation and everything. Yeah. So what do you feel about that? Because I mean, it's a tough one because you don't want to say, well, you can't make a choice. But then at the same time, how do you, you tell them they're gorgeous? What oh do you, how do you God. feel about it? How do you feel? Like, I mean, it is okay. happening. It is happening. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole treatments for like women in their 20s and 30s appalls me. Like I didn't start till I was 53. Um, and I agree with you about the Kardashians. I mean, I'm not a fan of anything that they do. You know, their skinny tees and all of that. And funnily enough, I actually think, I mean, maybe it's just in, in Dublin or in Ireland, but I think the 20 and 30 something women in Ireland look fantastic and they're not like these latex dolls at all yeah. like I think maybe it's just on the gram maybe it's actually no the gram is a very it can make you really depressed to be honest even mm. though it's such a happy place like it you know it is so homogenous like the the, the oh, look I don't think Ireland is quite there yet maybe no I don't I think it. Ireland's a long way from yeah, it okay. I mean I think there's a huge celebration of individuality in Ireland mm. um that's what I see. And actually, that's like one of the things I love about here, that the young women are so confident about who they are and like that they're willing to explore, you know, that they'll get tattoos and they'll get piercings and they'll dye their hair whatever colour they want. Like that makes me extremely happy that that they're not just all, you know, the same. Um, and I think if you tell your daughter not to wear makeup, that would be the surefire way to make sure that, like, she plasters herself in it. You know? L like, I think people learn what's right for them. And yeah. everybody has to go through that spell of overdoing stuff and, and wanting to look grown up and wanting to look like yeah. they're idle. So yeah. I just think relax about yeah. it. Well, yeah. I have two daughters. I can't get them to brush their hair. I think that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd think I was asking them, did you, did you brush your... No, Mummy, you just want us to look like Hollywood models. No, I just want you to brush your bloody hair. I, think I wonder yeah. will it go so, full circle that we all go back to basics. Katie, my sister, has one more question, Marion, and then we're going to let okay. you go to lie down. And I wondered what your advice would be to somebody who maybe is like 40 and... You're asking you know, for a friend? Asking, hashtag asking for friends. What would you think if they like... What advice would you give them if they wanted to just, you know, write and see what happens? The same advice I'd give to anyone. Just sit down and do it. People hate me when I say that. They absolutely hate me. A <laughs> bit think, more, a bit more, a bit more. Yeah, well, people think there's a magic about writing a novel, that you, some, you, know, that you kind of get overtaken by the book and it's like being possessed, and that you sit there like for eight days typing around the clock and people slide dinners under the door to you. You go, wait, no, 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 I'm typing the muse, my dear, the muse. It's absolutely not that. It is Monday to Friday. It's often the weekends. It's nine to five. It's whatever time you get. It's you write shitty sentences and you more ones and more ones. And then you delete them all. You hate yourself and you can't understand why you're so terrible. Um, it's, it's tedious. It's tedious work. And, it, you know, I say to everyone, your book will only get written if you write it. Mm -hmm. And people think that, that I'm withholding the magic formula. I'm not. It is hard work. It is dispiriting work at, at times. It is tedious. It's, and it's really worth it. You know, it's worth it in the end. Um, and like uh, lots of places on the way, but it is not joyous from the word go and it's not joyous all the way, way through. It's like any other job, really. You but think everybody has a story inside them? I do. Like I absolutely do. And that's another thing. I think people don't know how much they have to say or how much 
they have in their head until they actually start. I think all of us have planets inside us. I think we have so much stuff just below the surface, just in our subconscious, that is that will come if it's given some sort of trigger. Um, I, I've often said I'd love everyone in Ireland to have to write a book because I think I think it would be amazing what we'd produce because we are we are a nation of of wordsmiths. We are a nation of storytellers. I think we are unique. Um, I have never met anyone like us with with our love for story, our, our knack for story, and our, our absolutely beautiful ability with with language. Um, so I would, I you know, I would wish this friend of yours very well, and um, and urge her to keep at it, you know, and to have have your expectations. Tell her to have her expe- expectations fairly low. Yeah, because. At the start, it's always shockingly bad, and I speak for myself. So, that is... bon chance, my brave. Oh, Courage. So a gorgeous way to end. And I see yeah. a, a novelist, a fellow novelist in the room, Sarah Maria Griffin, nodding yes. away. Yes. Um, there, Sarah's book is called Other Words for Smoke, Smoke which is which out is at the fantastic. Moment. It's an amazing. Um, and that is a really nice way to end because I think you've really helped your friend, Katie. Right? Yeah. Your friend's really happy. And anybody else who has any harbors any creative yes. urges like that it's been a really lovely evening i the mean pleasure. honestly i'll go back to the beginning cocktails chocolate painting monday night strictly. painting strictly can i just apologize for my foul language i'm really I know. sorry <laughs> don't apologize <laughs> i we need more i've got an awful lot better but uh, but it still slips out <laughs> thank i've had a lovely 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 time thank you so much roshan thank you so much to house thank you so much to green and black thank you for the lovely cocktails but most of all thank you to all of you for coming for this fabulous november night i've had such yes, a lovely november. time and you're gorgeous thank you so much oh. All of Thank you. you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks to all the team here in the Irish Times, especially Carla and Molly for organising the event. Thanks to House on Leeson Street for being great hosts. And thanks, of course, to the brilliant Marion Keys. That's all we have time for. Remember, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you feel so inclined, and you do. Please go to iTunes, give us a review, and do remember to tell your friends about the podcast. The podcast is produced by Roisin Ingle and Suzanne Brennan, with JJ Vernon on sound, I'm Cathy Sheridan and I'll talk to you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.